0: Abide with me, abide with me, don't let me fall, and don't let go, walk with me, and never leave,
1: ever close, God up. Well, Happy
0: New Year to all you influencers out there first week of January, and uh, this is the Influencers Network podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. We're here in Bentonville, Arkansas at the global office. Anyway, I've got our founder, Rocky Fleming, here with us. Welcome, Rocky. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. And and we wanted to talk today just about this next year. 2018 is a, is a fresh year, and and us, uh, like you, are probably thinking about what's what God has in store in our in our lives and, and where He's going to take us this next year. And so we just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about uh, God's plans for this next year for for you for this ministry, but also how you want to process that uh, as an influencer. Uh, we know everybody's really it's vogue to make uh, New Year's resolutions, and most people talk about. New Year's resolutions only last in about one week, but uh, what's your take on New Year's resolutions, Rocky?
1: Well, they <laughs> generally, uh, I start my resolution right now, and uh, my resolution looks like this, that, that after I overdo on eating, <laughs> and I'm going to give myself a, a lot of freedom to do that, unfortunately, then I, pl- I pledge to... Uh, do something about it by starting a new resolution of walking and exercise and losing weight. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's sick. <laughs> uh, no, I think that we all uh, feel some form of accountability to to try to uh, do something about our health, and that's one of the things. But I think that there are several things we have to look at, Brian. We have to look not only at our physical health, but our mental health, our emotional health, our, and Surely our spiritual health because I think the spiritual health is the center of it all. I think that's where it radiates out and it's not limited to the physical health because there are many people that are spiritually healthy but are on their deathbeds mm-hmm. and the reason why is that we have a suitcase called a body and it lasts probably about 80 years on the average. Mm-hmm. Some more, some less. So I'm 72 now so under, with that math I've got about eight years left maybe. Or maybe longer, and uh, I don't think that I should be trying to strive for any kind of eternal body, or try to get it to a hundred or a hundred and ten or whatever. I, that's listen, man. I'm ready for heaven <laughs> any time. You know, I've already determined that life is overrated. Mm-hmm. But no, I think that we we have a stewardship responsibility to those things, and that's why we have to stop and do an assessment. We ask ourselves, well, what do I need to do to correct some things from last year uh, to move forward and to try to become more healthy not only physically but in those other areas I've spoken of. So it's I think it's a tension that we all live by or should live by. Now here's the thing that I, I find to be wonderful and that is that Our relationship with God, because it's based on grace and because he's given us this access through 1 John 1.9 that says if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, is that he gives us do-overs all the time. And, um, And if we'll take it. But it's not just to have a license to sin. It's to give us a clean slate to start all over. And so that's kind of where I'm going with my resolutions. Okay, let me look back over this last year and let me get a clean slate. Let me take the year of 2018 and have a a do-over and to try to learn from it and then try to move forward with it. And, you know, this is what I found about my relationship with the Lord. that he's, He's my best coach. He's the best coach I've ever had of all the coaches I've ever had. He's the best one that I got because he's always pulling for me. He's showing me how to, to handle the challenges that I have in this life, and he's always uh, encouraging me to be a better man, and helping me be that. Hmm. That's my take on it.
0: Well, I was, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with making goals and setting goals. We we tend to that motivates us. I think if we write things down and all that, but but and I've always heard goals should be measurable. You know, you can't make these just. I need to do this, a little bit more of this or a little mm-hmm. bit more of that. And they need mm-hmm. to be measurable. But what I think about is who's, who's holding the measuring stick? Because mm. like, I think the danger might be that we set goals according to the culture. Mm. You know, how am I doing versus the next guy? Yeah. Or, you know, where should my career be, you know, based on li- what looking around? And I just have this hunch that God would like us to take a little deeper look and maybe what he's, the dreams he's bur- trying to birth in our lives for this next year. Or maybe there's something that, a vision he's placed in us, and, and we know it's there, but maybe this is the year that it's going to unfold. Maybe we're going to take a bold step this next year, or maybe he's waiting on us to take
1: that next bold step. What do you think about that? Well, I think we find a lot of comfort in goals because we think it's up to us to achieve it, and we, it's measurable. Uh, you know, I was, my, my career was in uh, insurance and financial uh, uh, product sales for years. And I, I cut my teeth in an industry that was about setting goals. Plan your work, work your plan. And, you know, there was an old saying when I first started, and that is what the mind can conceive, the body can achieve. And um, But you know what? It just didn't work for me. It seems like it always, when I got down to trying to set my goals to accomplish what I wanted to do based on what I wanted to earn, what I had to do to work the plan, and I didn't, I wasn't attracted, it's just the, 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 the goals that were set out there were basically financial goals, materialism goals, and there was something in my spirit that said, this is just not what I want to pursue, I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong, uh, it was for me. And it seemed like God never let me set a goal and really achieve a goal. But it seemed like that when I tried to do things right, rather than being sales driven, uh, turning that around and being an advocate for my client, when they became more important to me than them to fulfill my goal, but, and instead for me to help them with their goals, then I started becoming very successful. And what I was doing. And I think all along the Lord was teaching me that it's not about what I can achieve for myself, it's what about he can achieve for me. And he began teaching me early on, <laughs> and I'm not sure everybody's that way, but he began to show me a different path early on in my career. And, uh, and I think a lot of my uh, aspirations in athletics, my goals, that I worked for for years in baseball and football. They suddenly ended in one year. I had an injury, shoulder surgery, two shoulder surgeries, and all of a sudden I I couldn't throw the ball from center field anymore, and they moved me to first base, and I couldn't throw the ball from first base to home plate, and we knew that career was over, and then we went to the NFL, and that career was ended as well. So what happens when your goals that you've worked for all along over at 23 years old. Hmm. Do you look at yourself as a failure? Yes, I did. But then God began retooling me and began teaching me about the goals that he wanted me to have, not the ones I wanted to have. Hmm. And so I think that, Brian, I, I really think goals are good if we can figure out that the goals that we're going for or within the strategy that God has for us in living life uh, in developing in our character developing in those essential relationships such as our marriage uh, in our professionalism as a businessman maybe in our knowledge in some ways I think there there's some admirable goals for us to set but I think that if we use them as a means to prop ourselves up or or make the make make us feel like we've attained success just because we can check off something and it's measurable. It's, it, I think it's I think it's broader than that.
0: Well, I know that uh, you used to do some coaching right after your athletic career, yeah. and uh, you just mentioned God being the great heavenly coach. Yeah. So put yourself in God's shoes for one second. I know It's a scary thing to do, but imagine He was He's our coach. What What do you think God coach God? would say to a man or woman, you know, because coaches are good. I, I, I'm i not, I did a little bit of athletics, but nothing to your extent, but I know coaches are good at helping an athlete form yeah. a plan yeah. for their life. So what do you think Coach God would say to a man or woman about this next year? What do what you think the things that would be high on his list of their training and, and things that need to be paying attention to this next year? You, you alluded to a couple of things that might be on the list, but...
1: Well, yeah, I think uh, attitude has a lot to do with it and perspective is the beginning of it. So here's an example. Let's say you have an outstanding high school player, really good, man, four-star player, and he goes to a school and they're just happy to have him, you know, and he comes on, on campus and they get ready to go on the field and to dress out to play the field and uh, play the team that's coming out there. And, and you got all the rest of the team have on their colors of their school. They have the same helmets, they have the same... Shirts, they have the same pants, everything's the same because they're a team, except that one guy. He's wearing his uniform that he had in high school. So his coach says, well, what are you doing here? You're on our team now. He said, yeah, but, you know, this is, my, this is how I identify myself. I was really great back here, and this was my colors. You think that coach is going to let him wear those colors? <laughs> He's going to say, no, you got to be identified with us. you got to wear our colors. you got to be in my team here. We're gonna take you from there to here, but you can't stay there and be here. And how many Christians do that? How many of them say that I wanna play on your team, Lord. I wanna be known as a Christian. I wanna be a man of God. But they're still wearing the uniform of Satan. They're still practicing the same old stuff that they used to do. And they think just because they can call themselves something, they are that something. And I think the first thing that our heavenly coach is going to do is he's going to take us out of that. And that's the first discipline he's going to do. He's going to start changing our perspective of who we are. He's going to give us a new identity. He's going to challenge us on our old ways. He's going to begin a discipline process. And if you know, you remember what we've always taught about Hebrews, about the discipline of the Lord is is to discipline us to give up sin in our life. Because this is the first process, is he disciplines us as sons. So when we come into a relationship with him, our heavenly coach is going to discipline us till we begin giving up those old ways. And then when we finally get on his team and we begin to play ball for him, really playing ball for him, then he's going to want to make us a a better player. And guess what he does to do that? He prunes us. Mm. He will challenge us. He will train us. He will strengthen our faith. He will put us up into some difficult situations, and and he'll say, now, take all of those things I've been teaching you and apply them here. And when we do that, we see that we can succeed in that challenge, and we will grow in spiritual muscles. That's the way our coach works. Identity, training, and then use. Because he wants to put us on the field playing ball for him. He wants us to be able to score some touchdowns for him. He wants us to do some blocking and tackling spiritually. He wants us to be identified with him. He wants the home team to win. And uh, I might say that we have several quarters in life. Some people are in their first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Depends on how old you are. I'm in the two-minute warning. (laughs) And so things are really, really, uh, emphatic now for me. I want to I be highly focused and finish this game well. Mm.
0: So we talk all the time about having an intimate abiding relationship with Christ or being in proximity with yeah. Him. Um, so is it that simple that if, if, we, if people, if that's the goal, let's say you had one list, one thing on your whole list, my goal is to abide with Christ, will everything else fall into place, you think?
1: Uh, yes or no. Okay. Uh, I think, yes, when we have, truly have an abiding relationship with him. And because you have to redefine what by, abiding is. It's not having a daily quiet time, Brian. Mm-hmm. Some people feel like it's just check that off. Have my 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Or, hey, I spent an hour with him today, so therefore I'm abiding. Now I'm going to work. It's not the way abiding works. Abiding means to remain. And when Jesus says remain in me and I in you, it, it can't be limited to a quiet time. It can't be limited to a special time. It's got to be all the time. And so we abide in Him and we remain in Him as we live life. And that teaches us how to live life. So it's not a passive thing. It's a, it's a very active thing to abide with Him, but it's also a very active life. Because you see, He's, he's going to flow through us. He's going to flow into us and out of us and he's going to be released through our life to our world around us and it's going to impact people. And When we get drawn into those situations we're going to have challenges. There will be persecution with some people. There will be extreme challenges for some people because we follow Christ. But again this is the nature of, of our relationship with him and the nature of the world that we live in, the tribulation that he promised that we have. But also the promise, he says, but I have overcome the world. Mm. And so, yes, we we have to be active in our abiding, active in serving and doing the other things. It can't be passive, but it is simple as that, (laughs) that if we do abide in him, I do believe all those things are are going to be provided.
0: I had had one of my journey guys describe abiding in, in his terms, and he said, it's kind of like that first girl you fell in love with, and you couldn't get her off your mind. Mm-hmm. You thought about her all day long, and you thought about when can I be with her again mm-hmm. and see her again. Mm-hmm. And he said in, in his way of thinking, that's how abiding with Christ should be, a uh, this love relationship where we're thinking about him all day long, and we're thinking about how, how we want to be with him, and we want to please mm-hmm. him and, and do all those things for him. I, I thought that was actually a pretty good, pretty good analogy. <laughs> I, you know, I think,
1: I think everybody has a, a growing take on that. Yeah. You know, if you asked me this probably when I was 40, I would say one thing in 50 and 60, and what I'd say now would probably be say, that's a good description, but it's even more.
0: Well, and and I I tend to think in the talking about goals and and resolutions and all that, getting to this place to me of where, God, what do you want for my life? Mm. It doesn't matter what I want. Lord, what do you want? I've kind of trashed all my dreams and all that and put them aside because, Lord, whatever you have is better. And it may incorporate some of those things that I – that you put
1: on my heart a long time ago, but but I don't care. What, what do you want, Lord? I, what would that look like, you think? <laughs> I mean, if you ask that question, I mean, is it gonna be some kind of flashing neon sign that says, I want you to do this? Or mm. is it that clear?
0: Well, I, I read a book uh, years ago by Bruce Wilkinson, the same author of The Secrets yeah. of the Vine, which we use, and in in, in, it was called The Dream Giver. And he talks about how God is the dream giver. So God puts things on our hearts and we think there are passions and art. There's something that we came up with, but it may, maybe, perhaps God, God put it there, and it's going to be something that's going to be for His purposes, you know. And yeah. and He stokes the fire of that. But a lot of times these dreams just lay dormant because we don't ever take a step of faith, you know, to go to the next next level. So or
1: or we're not ready to receive it. Our character doesn't receive it. Hey, I got a I got a good quote here that I picked up today. I thought it'd be, I think it would be good to read this. It comes from my utmost first highest. Okay. My friend Oswald Chambers is a dear dear personal friend. (laughs) Um, He said this, he says, my vision of God is dependent upon the condition of my character. He says, my character determines whether or not truth can even be revealed to me. Get that. My character determines whether or not truth can even be revealed to me. For I can say I saw the Lord, there must be something in my character that conforms to the likeness of God. Until I'm born again and really begin to see the kingdom of God, I only see from the perspective of my own biases. You know, how many biases do we have? And we say, well, this is what God wants me to do based on a bias. He says, what I need is God's surgical procedure. His use of external circumstances to bring about internal purification. That sounded like a coach to me, Mm. using external circumstances to bring about internal purification. Mm. A coach would use external circumstances, whether it was uh, training, uh, agility training, uh, whether it was blocking and tackling, whether it was doing without many things, including water in my day, Uh, work until you dropped. But each one of those was was creating resolution in us and character to not give up, to never give up, and to win. And so when we got to the fourth quarter, honestly, we generally won because we worked the hardest. We knew that when it got down to the fourth quarter and the game was close, we were going to win it because we wanted it. We earned it. We earned the right to be there because we had worked so hard. And I do believe that God is our heavenly coach and He's using external circumstances to try to create in us internal purity. Now what happens is when that internal purity develops in our life, that character quality that he's looking for, now he's got our ear. Now he can speak truth to us. Now we can begin to see the vision of the man that he's wanting to form us to Mm. and the things he would like us to do.
0: And, and the vision of our life could come in the midst of that, or maybe maybe it ha- maybe you have to go through that crucible before you get to the, the vision, but you and I were talking about the verse that God used with you, and he used with me too, in ha- Habakkuk, mm-hmm. where, he, where he talks about a vision, and he says, write the vision down and make it plain yeah. so that uh, someone could run with it, you know, and, uh, and you went through
1: that. Yeah, and you know, the thing that we have to be very careful of, because sometimes I think that, again, our bias, would say that this is what I want, so therefore I'm going to envision it. Now there, therefore I'm going to make it happen. Remember mm-hmm. that old oh, yeah. concept of what the mind can conceive, the body can achieve? That's the world's ways. That's not God's ways. We just can't think it. Remember the old one said, think and grow rich? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was, you know, if you can think it, you can do it, you can contain it. I mean, it was just all that stuff. It's just a bunch of bull. Mm. But I think, the, I think that we as humans tend toward thinking that it, based on our bias, I know what I want to be, so therefore I'm going to envision this is what I want to be, and then I'm going to try to be that person. And all along, that's not where God's going with it. It's just something we're taking ourselves to. Mm. And that's why it's so important for us, Brian, and this is where we get... Personal abandonment and absolute trust. This is when personal abandonment says, Lord, I don't know what I'm to be. I don't know who I am. I don't know anything anymore. All I know is I am yours. Lock, stock, and barrel. 100% take me and mold me and shape me, whatever you want, I'm in. I'm not telling you what it's going to be. I'm in. Now you tell me what that's going to be. And when we get to that point in our life in personal abandonment, and we trust him, now he's got a man that he can mold and shape. Mm. Now he can shape us into the man of a vision that he will begin to show us. Now it will be vague. We won't see it clearly. And the reason why is because after he shows us the vision, then he begins to do the things that makes us into that man, that man that that we're looking at. And it's going to be challenges. It's going to be those external things Mm. that Chambers talks about. External circumstances that come into our life to begin to shape us for the man of that vision. Hmm. So you
0: think, uh, you know, I know some people take some time for prayer and maybe even fasting at the beginning of the year to, mm. to ask the Lord, "What is there anything you're preparing me for, or what's your heart for my life?" You know, kind of with the blank slate almost. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: Well, you know, the parable of the four seeds uh, that Jesus gave us, and I'm always talking about the four seeds and and you can look it up, but, uh, you know, the first two were not Christians. They are just people that received the word. And they were, kind of got excited about it, but it burned out pretty quick on them. The third seed are the ones that couldn't bear fruit because of the cares and worries of the world. They were just, you know, keeping them all flustered. And... But the fourth seed is when there's good soul. Uh, where that seed could be planted in that soil and then it would bear fruit ten, hundredfold, which is magnificent fruit. And I think that what you're describing by prayer and priority and dedication at the beginning of a year or the next day of your life is about making good soil. I think it's about preparing the ground for God to do a good work in our life to empty ourselves, uh, to empty ourselves of our own strategy and our own control of our life, to to seek counsel from him through his word, to meditate on the word, and simply to listen sometimes, just to listen. Hmm. And oftentimes he will speak to us truth in that deep place in us with a small voice because we've made time to listen. And you know, I think that there's a thing called memorials too. I think memorialize a a time in our life, a consecration of sorts. Beginning of year is a good time to memorialize a a time to consecrate our life by coming before the Lord and say, "I don't know what the year holds, but I, I just know you hold it." And I want to get tuned in with you, so I want to begin right now, the first day of this year. I want to get my Bible. I want to get a cup of coffee. I want to get my journal. I want to get along with you. I want to become a self-feeder. I want to take your word, and I want it to find its resting place in my heart. I want to make application of it to my life, and I want to let it guide me. Every day, I want to begin the process of listening to you and let your word guide me. And, Brian, this is probably the best resolution that we would ever have right there Mm. because that deals with the heart of all of our needs, and now from that, it's going to radiate out to mental health, to emotional health, spiritual health for sure, and uh, and he'll probably talk to you about giving up some of the calories and maybe getting a little bit of exercise too. <laughs> believe it or not. Well, I think what you're
0: saying, Rocky, is you know we we can be all be guilty of looking for the fantastic or looking for some major epiphany, and it doesn't always come like that. It often doesn't. No. It's this. It's the small steps of, of faithfulness. Little by little, day by day, and and all that. I, I was thinking though about um, a few years ago when I was when I made my big transition to come up to move over here. That somebody said something to me right before it all started unfolding. They said, "What is it that God has been asking you to do, but you haven't done it yet?" Mm-hmm. And, and the question was, "What's holding you back?" Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's a bad question to ask if, if, if there's anyone out there that God has been putting something in your heart, and, and you know it's from God, and he, and he keeps pressing on it, pressing on it, you know, what's holding you back? Mm-hmm. Maybe 2008 can be the year that you take that next step of obedience that goes towards something God has yeah. prepared for you. So,
1: so uh, throw that out there for someone to chew on. <laughs> well, and chew on this is that we're not historians, we're pioneers. Mm-hmm. So we're always moving forward. Uh, some people live in the past because those were the glory years. Mm. Uh, I think about the glory years and I think about um, a few good things that stand out, but I think a little bit more and I think about how deeply f- afraid I was. Uh, how, how I felt like the, if anybody really knew me, they wouldn't like me at all mm. And I think about those years and they were they were they were difficult very difficult but they would be called the glory years they are not glory years at all and i think the years nowadays in my life are probably what i would consider the best years because it's less about me and it's more about me walking with the king of glory hmm. and so you know i i do i just i just feel like that sometimes we get the wrong messages out here that we buy into about what really is a successful life uh, we have to redefine that it's not money money can't buy it it's not things things can't buy it there there there's extreme joy extreme happiness to be found with the plans that god has for us and he knows his plans and his plans are good mm. And so if we could trust his plans, and if we could get to the point where we can trust him because we know him, then our life will become better than it has ever become. Mm. I do believe it's as simple as that.
0: Well, and I like what you said about history, because some people may have had a, a pretty bummer 2017 year. Yeah. And so it's a new year. So there's, it's kind of the way God designed time, that it is a marker for us, mm-hmm. and, it gives, and it's like new hope. Kind of like a new hope for, for new better yeah. things this year, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think. Um, well, I'm gonna. I'm just. Gonna, I, you know, there's just kind of been an open discussion, and we, we hope people have uh, have benefited from uh, thinking about things, and hopefully maybe thinking things in a new perspective. There's a verse, Rocky, that uh, God just put in my heart when we started talking about this broadcast, and this is in Isaiah 43, and it just says, "Forget the former things; do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing." Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? So I just pray that uh, that people out there, including us, Rocky, and all of us would have spiritual eyes to see what God's doing, mm-hmm. that we would perceive the things that are right in front of us because he's always doing new things. He's into newness of life and newness of, of just he's a creator, so he's always creating new things, you know, mm-hmm. so... Uh, so I'm excited about this next year for our ministry and all the new places we're gonna to go to and new, new potential regions and all that. So, uh, yeah. so we're pretty excited about that. So,
1: You know, Brian, uh, I think that one of the things that uh, happens as we get older and, and become uh, mentors is that we tend toward wanting to bless people. and We bless them with our words, we bless them with our service, we bless them with our prayers. And I'd like to bless these men, this uh, and women who are listening to this this podcast. I was uh, thinking, uh, oh, I don't know, in the last few years, about the most important thing that I could leave my children and grandchildren as a form of a legacy that would help them to uh, deal with an ever-changing world. And you know, we live in an ever-changing world. Uh, 2017 was uh, a it was a world of just desperation terrorist bombings shootings some of the worst stuff that we've ever seen in history uh, angry rhetoric by the politicians uh false news i mean just so many things that's just out there all the time who can you trust what what can you deal with and i don't think it's going to get better i really don't i think that you might have a little bit of stability that might occur in the economic area there might be some changes that can be made in the tax laws which today we receive word that they that there is a major tax reform package that's out now approved and um, and there's gonna be foreign policies that are going to maybe good and maybe not but this life that we live in now and we'll live in for I think for from now on is going to be constantly changing constantly challenging especially for Christians and so you know I was asked one time what What do you think the best thing that I could ever leave my grandchildren in the form of a legacy and I know that I was competing with a lot of other attitudes that said well leave them money for an education leave them land for to be able to grow things and get away and leave them this that and the other and and uh, And I really prayed through that. That was really a thinking and praying through process. And you know what I came away with about the most important thing I could leave them? The most important thing I could leave them is to learn how to walk with Jesus. Because I believe that in any circumstance that we face, he's going to show us how to walk in it, whatever it is. He is the source. And so my blessing to these people that are listening here is that in 2018, you got a do-over now. you got an opportunity to undo by redoing. And this is the great thing that the heavenly coach, Jesus Christ, wants is he wants us to take his redo. Let him rebuild. Let him rebuild a life. In fact, let him build one like maybe they've never had before. And the best thing they can ever do is learn to walk with him, to abide with him, and then he will walk them through this life, and and they will see his glory. Mm.
0: Good word, good word. Well, I'm going to end there. Thank you, Rocky. That was that was that was special. You've been listening to the Influencers Network podcast, and uh, we just want to say we would love to help you this next year. If you've never been through our journey process. Uh, we'd love to help you go on this nine-month process that will help you learn how to have an abiding relationship with Christ. And you can learn more at our website, www.influencers.org. It's also where you can find these podcasts, which are under the resource tab, and then you'll see the podcast uh, page. But anyway, thank you for joining us today. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and I'm going to encourage you to keep abiding in Christ and to go make disciples. God bless you.